So anyway, I want to talk about prayer. I've been talking a bit about, actually I'm going to pray, Lord, I thank you. You know, God, it's your word that makes a difference. It's your name that heals people. It's your presence that brings transformation. And Lord, this morning, there is, I have a sense of you. I have a sense that you are going to transform our lives, that you're going to minister. You've, be, you've begun that through that worship that we, we had, Lord, but you're going to do that through your word. Transform us, Lord. Give us a new understanding of the amazing tool of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've been looking at over the last, I don't know, while from my view when I've been preaching about um, the ability of the early church to have tremendous power, to have a thing that we've looked at called great grace upon it, great power. It was the ultimate mega church. But there are reasons why God's grace flowed so powerfully and why God's um, power flowed so powerfully. And one of those reasons was, if you study and look at the book of Acts, particularly the first five, six chapters in the book of Acts, is they used the language of that they gathered together in one accord. So I'm going to go back over a little bit first. They gathered together in one accord. And many things happened as a result of the early church gathering together. Anybody that tells you you don't need to go to church is not speaking from what the Bible says. It is very clear that we need to gather as a community. They gathered together in one place. And then it says this thing called one accord. One accord basically means to have the same mind. They had the same mind. They were focusing on the same thing. Though they were a diverse bunch of people, they were rich, they were poor, they were plumbers, they were builders, whatever you like to call. Uh, they were servants. But there was a common theme or an ability for them to think the same. And see, one accord, being of one mind, is basically having the mind that is focused on Jesus and focused on the truth of his word, who he is, uh, that he dwells in heaven, that he created the heavens and the earth. When we as a church can put aside everything else happening around our lives, Forget about our offenses. You know, we, a couple of weeks ago I talked about how we all have preferences. If I were to ask you this morning, what's your favorite scripture? I would get a variety of answers. Darren, tell me what your favorite scripture is. Ephesians 3.20, to the God who's able to do above and beyond all that I could hope, ask, or concern like that, is it? Yeah, that's the one. That's why I'm the pastor. I know that scripture. Zoe, what's your favorite scripture? Come on. Proverbs 23. What? You don't have the same thing as your husband. She should be submitting to what his favorite scripture is. Can I have an amen? amen. There was a few men. See, you can be married and you can be focused together on life, but you're allowed to have differences in even what your favorite scripture is. But I know that if I asked Darren and Zoe questions about who Jesus is, there would be a common sense and a common mind or a one mind about how they view God. One mind. Single-mindedness. Gathered together. Hallelujah. Let's look at a scripture. Acts chapter 4. A lot of the songs as he picked this morning 
were based around, particularly the songs about the Holy Spirit, about when Pentecost happened, how the wind of, of the Spirit, a sound like a mighty rushing wind came, and they were filled. So anyway, Acts 4, 24, the um, absolute template for church. The Acts church, Acts 24, uh, Acts t- uh, chapter 4, 24. So when they had heard, they raised their voices to God with varying opinions. Well, I believe in the mid-tribulation and I believe in the post or whatever. Or my favorite scripture is this, this, or this. No, they gathered together with a mind that was commonly focused on him, Jesus. Unity commands blessing, friends. So when they heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. See, they agreed who God was. There wasn't confusion about who he was. No, God is Buddha. No, God is this. No, God is the God who created the heavens and the earth. And his son Jesus came to the planet. One mind, one accord. Hallelujah. And the one mind and one accord affected their voice. It affected the fact that they all prayed together with one voice. Because they had one mind. You with me? Uh, Verse 29, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And verse 31, and when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together, not separate, not deciding not to go to church, they gathered together because the Bible tells us and they agreed of the importance of meeting together. And the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Never before, man, has the world needed the church to speak the voice, the word of God with boldness and courage and power. You know, do not fold under... uh, the social world correctness, the wokeness of this planet that's trying to tell you that the Christian message is not relevant. It has never been more relevant than today. Never before has the church needed to speak with a boldness and a courage. Never before have you needed to, wherever you live, whatever you do, in your workplace to look for moments. You don't have to bash people, but friend, you need to have moments where you will speak boldly of the faith that is within you. Because it has power to transform. That's why the early church together knew that they needed God and they needed courage to speak the name of Jesus. Because they had been, the, um, the religious people in the government of that day tried to shut the voice down. And they were praying, God, we don't want to bend to the government or the religious people. Grant us together, we speak your word with boldness. Are you with me? Gathered together, one mind, one voice. Hallelujah. The word pray that you see there is the word to beg, plead, ask, and implore. In the New Testament in particular, there are a number of words when you read pray or prayer. 
So prayer can mean a number of things depending on, we, we use one word often, it'll either say pray or prayer, uh, but when you look at the actual translations of, to the meanings of the words, there are a variety of ways that you can pray. This particular prayer was one that had some fervency and begging God to move upon them. See, there was a fervency and a thirst. And I tell you, we need that. We need to be crying out to him like never before. If you're a parent, you need to cry out for God for your children. If you are a grandparent, you need to cry out to God for your children and your uh, grandchildren. Kevin was telling me last week, uh, he might even mention that I can't remember if he said it to you guys, but he said um, he's told all his grandchildren that in the, in the next few years, they need to make sure they have got a very close relationship with God because of what is to come. See, there's more trouble coming. Don't fear, don't freak out. Troubles, they will come according to the Bible. It's told us before. It's not new, but... It is so important that you have a strong connection with God to weather the storm and to take the moments and opportunities that this time and history is giving us. You with me? You know, don't listen on the internet to these people who will fill you with fear. If they leave you with fear, then you are missing the moment or the spirit behind whatever they are saying is not the spirit of God. Because the Bible tells me very clearly, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Hugh, scripture, not my problem. Hugh, get mad at the ANZ bank manager. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. See, whatever is behind the spirit of God, sometimes he'll warn, sometimes he'll convict, but fear and feeling hopeless is not what the good news is about. You with me? Hallelujah. 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 I love the Bible that even in the early church times, they were under tremendous um, tribulation and, and, and difficulty, but the early church, the scripture says that even all of that was going on, that everybody had enough because there was a generous spirit going on in the church. Because they had one mind and one spirit and one voice that they actually cared about each other. You understand? God doesn't abandon people through difficulty. God gives you the strength and power to overcome. It's not even the sermon. That's free today for you. I'm tempted to, I love when I see visitors, but I'm going to be good today. Welcome. I saw someone else too somewhere. Ah, how are you? Pretty good. You guys good? Good. Rightio. I'm going to behave. We need to have a prayer where we understand at moments we need to plead, cry out, God, we're serious. We need you. God, I'm serious. My husband needs you. He doesn't know you. My children don't know you. God, I need you to touch them. God, our town doesn't know you. God, my government is, is godless, but God, I need you. You understand? Plead, God, because I tell you, God hears and listens. Because that shows us in the book of Acts that the very room where they were was shaken. 
And it says they then spoke God's word with power. Hallelujah. Great grace, great power was upon them. I want to talk to you today about prayer. And I want to ask you the question, how many people believe prayer is important as a Christian? Right. But the truth is, for me, I don't pray enough. And I know you're awesome and you're all super Christians and you do not get distracted or whatever, but I've got to tell you, it is a wrestle in my life and I have to be continually reminded in my busy life that prayer should be a priority above all so many other things in my life. But you're all good at it, aren't you? So I'm preaching to myself today. Well, if you think you're praying enough, I think you're not telling the truth, actually. You with me? Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. What is prayer? It's talking to God. It's conversing, it's talking, and it's listening. It's a conversation with God, not where you just blur, but where you can blur, but then you listen. It's not one-sided. Too many people think prayer is just me asking God, but that is a bad, wrong relationship. Who likes to be in a conversation with someone where they don't really want to hear what you have to say? All they want to do is tell you what they want to say. Ever had a conversation like that? You try to get a word in and it's like... You know, it's kind of like, well, imagine God when all you do is... See, do you like that word? It's in the Bible. No, you get what I mean? Man, God wants to talk as well. Prayer. Rightio. So I want to ask you the question, what is the consequence in your life? What is the consequence for our church? What is the consequence for our nearby family members? What is the consequence for our children? What is the consequence for our nation if we don't pray? See, there is a consequence in life when we don't follow God's plans. God developed prayer where we are able to talk to him because there is deep, meaningful purpose and strategy behind prayer. He didn't just make it as an idea to make you some kind of religious person or chew up your time so you can't watch TV or, or play your video games. God wanted us to pray because pray is a strategic plan and the things of God to release his power on the earth. You see, when we don't pray, we are robbing our lives and the world around us and our families of God stepping in with his power. There are deep consequences in your personal Christian walk when you choose not to pray. I'm going to give you some quotes. And I'm not preaching to someone who doesn't need to hear the message. And my God, I'm a pastor. Confession. We need to pray. What are the consequences for a person who doesn't pray? Billy Graham, a prayerless Christian is a 
powerless Christian. If you are a Christian and there is no power that is evident in your life, I guarantee you can step it back to where and how you pray. Billy Graham knew what he was talking about. Jonathan Edwards, he that lives a prayerless life lives without God in the world. What he's saying there is when you live a life as a Christian and you don't pray, friend, God is not deeply involved the way he wants to be. You are really very little different to the godless. Bill Hybels, the most common cause of unanswered prayer, can you check me up that bottle, where is it? The most common cause of unanswered prayer is what? Prayerlessness. See, God wants to answer prayers in our lives, but the scripture tells me in James, you you do not have because you do not ask. You with me? Think about it. Think about in your life. Think about us as a church. Think about our town. Think about our nation. And think about our prayerlessness and what is missing on the planet that doesn't happen because we just don't pray. Think about your family members that could be transformed and touched because. You with me? Is this a bit harsh? Prayerlessness. Here's an even better one. A guy named Ian Bounds very <clears throat> wrote some books on prayer. Um, it says this: What the church needs today is not mere machinery or better, not new organisations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer and woman. Men and woman. Mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men and women. He does not come on machinery, but he comes upon his people. The early church had power because they prayed. And friend, they did not just pray one prayer. They prayed consistently. This is a really well-known <clears throat> scripture in regards to prayer. It's Old Testament, but never mind. The Old Testament gives us types. Second Chronicles 7.14, well-known. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. Confession, note my people, if they just... Watch that next two-hour movie. Oh, no, no, let's, if they just play another hour on the video game. Oh, no, no, let's not. No, it says, if my people humble themselves, contriteness, turn from evil, but it begins with prayer. Do you understand? Prayer. So, right Australia as a godly nation. How many, give me a, give me a rating, somebody out of one to ten, ten being, whoa, Aussie is just the land of the Holy Spirit. Someone gave me, is that a two or is that a sign? Oh no, it's a two. 
Three? Who said three? One. One, two. Five. Imagine if the church would continuously plead and cry for this nation. Prayer. Do you know today in society, one of the biggest health problems, one of the scourge of our nation is worry and anxiety. Do you know that? Do you know that, you know, if you just want to look at in mere um, kind of um, physical terms that the health budget with mental illness, I saw an ad on TV where two in five people in Australia uh, suffer from diagnosable or have suffered from diagnosable mental illness. And anxiety is a massive problem. But listen to what the Bible says. Philippians 4, 6 through to 7. Be anxious about, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious in everything. It says be anxious in nothing. And if you're worried, it says that the strategic plan of God, the weapon that he has given the church and the individual is to communicate with him and pray. Is the Bible true? See, how much anxiety... Are you caring? How much worry are you carrying that God don't want you to carry? Remember, God don't want you to carry this stuff. How much are you carrying because you ain't praying? How much? God, I'm sorry, it's a harsh message. How much? Be honest with yourself. Look inside your heart and examine where anxiety is with you. Prayer. Jesus, I am worried about my son, my mom, my whatever. And the Bible gives you a guarantee that when you communicate with him through prayer, that there will be a transformation that will take place, first of all, not out there, but in you. Because it says that there will be a transformation, that your mind will be changed, and there will be a protection over your mind, and you will have a thing called peace flow over you. Peace. Nah, man, I want my anxiety. Nah, man, let me just suck that baby up. Strategic plan of prayer. You see, he is the loving dad that just loves you and wants you to talk to him. And get the load of your burdens off. Hallelujah. You know, this morning when I was preparing this, and even in the worship, I um, had a sense of some people that are here this morning, and you are carrying the weight of stuff, 
And it is, what do I do? And I said in that word that your answer is sitting in front of you. And that is him, and that is talking to him, Jesus. The Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, the First, the Last, the Beginning and the End, the Creator of the Universe, where nothing that was made was not made through Him. Hallelujah! My God, I'm shouting. Hallelujah, friend! You have the tool. You have the weapon. It is... Connecting with God. Can I have an amen? amen? Can I have an even louder one? Amen. And I'm preaching to me. Sometimes, just like uh, I had a busy day yesterday, and uh, I went out and sat on our balcony, and I sat there with my Bible, and I haven't done that because I'm a preacher, man. And I, I spend time in the Word, you know, during the week and whatever and whatnot because I'm a, you know, i got to do my thing. And I sat on the balcony just sitting there with the Word. And the funniest thing was, I enjoyed the Scripture first of all and just meditated and closed my eyes um, and just let that peace of God flood my heart. And you know what? Funniest thing. I was saying, God, what do you want me to preach about? He didn't give me anything to preach about. But he did give me what I needed was peace. Just, it was nice. I mean, how good is that? Be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, in every situation... By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Prayer, if you want to, I'm not going to preach on the content of prayer, but prayer, man, my prayer starts with Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that I have breath in my lungs, that I'm alive today, that you saved my soul, that you gave me a family, you gave me a wife. You know, that, that, that I know you, that you live in me. Thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus. I was going to preach more out of James, but I'm just going to read it out of the Passion Vision Version. Vision Version. The Passion Bible is super interesting because um, I've kind of only just discovered it. I started reading it every most mornings. I read out of Proverbs, and usually it's either NIV or NKJV. But I, I just started reading the Passion Bible a little. And I just want to read you the scripture. Now, James is talking to the church. James, basically the book of James, was written to try to get people to understand a bit about faith and about how faith connected to our actions has power. And he also uses the fact of when we attach to our prayer life faith that there is something quite dramatic and powerful that takes place. So James in this chapter in five is trying to get us to understand that, friend, when you attach faith, in action to your prayer, stuff happens. And he gives a bit of government about church. So in the Passion Bible, chapter 5, 13 through to 18, it says this, Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? 
Well, I've been a pastor a while, and we get people who suffer great hardship and distress and stuff. And I've experienced that. He said, is there anybody in your church that has this problem? He says this, encourage them to pray. If you are in a struggle and you are fighting something, then I want to tell you James has given you the answer. And for us as a church, that's why I'm encouraging you, pray. But wait, there's more. Um, encourage them to pray. Are there any happy, cheerful ones among you? There's a few. Encourage them to sing out their praises. Verse 14. Are there any sick among you? Yeah, probably. Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray for over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith says this will heal the sick. Very interesting. The prayer of faith, if we are a church that doesn't believe that Jesus is healed, heals, if we are a church and if you are a leader in this church, then friend, you need to understand that part of your position as a leader, well, no matter what it is, it's friend, you have the anointing and ability on you that when you pray, you can bring healing to the sick. Do you understand? Prayer. The word uh, where it says there, um, come over and pray for the sick and not the oil, and it says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. That is actually a super interesting word, but I won't get into it. And the faith of prayer will heal the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and they, uh, if they have committed any sins, it will be forgiven. Prayer, see, here's the point. You know, when you, uh, when you muck up, when you stuff up, when you fail to live out what the scripture says, sin, prayer is the strategic weapon, the prayer of confession heals you. I want to tell you a quick, oh, let me get, I've got to tell you a quick story. Oh, no, let me, no, not yet. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will raise them up, and, they, and if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Then watch this one, verse 14. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. And then what? Go and gossip to your neighbor. No, didn't say that. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another because if you're in church long enough, you're going to get offended. Quite possibly from me. Can I have an amen? <laughs> Ask my son. But then it says this. Confess to one another, meaning you've got to be together, got to be part of something. If you have a fear to one another, pray for one another to be instantly healed. So let me read it again. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another, then pray for one another to be instantly healed. Can I just tell you the power of confession? 
Too many Christians carry the weight of guilt in their lives. Too many churches are full of Christians that the devil has got them carrying condemnation. And the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the Spirit, right? Thereabouts. See, prayer unleashes forgiveness and transformation that can instantly change you. That's why at the beginning when you become a Christian, when you confess your sin, those sins instantaneously as you pray and confess to God disappear. It doesn't stop when you continue the journey of God. Are you getting me? instantaneous ability of prayer to bring transformation. A number of years ago, I used to travel around New Zealand with my kids when they were younger, and I ended up in an environment where there was a church that was fighting. And why did I end up in the middle of that? Anyway, ended up, I pulled all the warring factions together. And uh, we met in a hall and um, I just felt God, you know, telling me, because I, I met on both sides, it was the weirdest thing. And I remember God telling me, get them together. And so I pulled them all together, and it was a really kind of intense, what is it, um, you could cut the air with a knife kind of thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, thank God. And anyway, I started to talk about things, and then what happened was people started to voice the offenses they had against each other, but not as confession. It was like, it was stone throwing going on, mate. And it's going on, and, and, and I'm trying to calm them down, and, and, I, and I hear God speak to me. And um, I had my Bible, and he told me, I'm telling you, he told me, and I grabbed my Bible, and he told me, throw it against the wall. So you imagine being in a meeting, and I grabbed my Bible, and I literally threw it against the wall, and it smacked against the wall, and everybody goes, like that. It's kind of, that was when I was a bit crazy. And then I said to them, I said to them, I said, the way you are acting and the way you are treating each other is exactly this is what you're doing to the truth and promises of God and his truth. You are treating it with dis, uh, what is the word? Disrespect and, and contempt. Just shut it all down. And you know what happened then? We all prayed together and healing took place. And I got the hell out of there. <laughs> See, I'm trying to get us to understand as a church, friend, if we, don't, if we aren't a praying church, if we aren't a individuals who pray, then friend, we are not the church God's called us to be. Because, friend, we are meant to be meeting this world with great grace and great power and with great forgiveness. And prayer deals with offense in church. Are you with me? And your marriage. Marriages fall apart. We were doing a premarital with some people last week and we were talking about how offense destroys marriages, and it just gets worse. But prayer and confession prayer 
And God can change it. You get with me? There are diseased churches. You know, this is talking about, you know, when it's, it will heal the sick. I'll read it to you. I'm, I'm going to finish. We were going to do a song. Maybe we won't. I just want you to understand, if we don't pray as a church, friend, we will become a diseased, like a body, a physical body. If we as a church don't pray, we can become diseased like a physical body and God can heal us, but we will miss out on his healing and we will be a diseased, sick church. And you as a Christian, as an individual, if you don't learn and and practice prayer and confession prayer, you will be a diseased, sick spirit Christian. You with me? So, I really want to encourage you to be a Christian who starts to change the world and your world by just simply talking with God by listening to God, by confessing your sins to God. Can we close our eyes? This morning is an opportunity for a number of you who have have let anxiety rule your life. And see, You can pray, but if you don't pray with faith, see, it's the prayer of faith that believes God. If you this morning are a Christian or even not even a believer and you are struggling with anxiety, you know what all you've got to do is lift your hand to God and say, I'm sorry. And talk to him about whatever it is that's going on in your world. He may give you an instantaneous answer, or it may take a number of years for him to answer your prayer, because sometimes that's how it is. But the thing that you'll get is you'll get the peace of God that protects you and keeps you safe despite whatever's going on. Are you with me? If that is you this morning, just raise your hand to God and say, God, That's me, with the anxiety thing. Lift it up, that's good. And you're not doing it to me, everybody else shut your eyes. Lord, you see the hands, you hear the hearts. I speak the peace of God that guards our heart in the name of Jesus. Secondly, If you have not yet confessed your sins to Jesus, if you are here this morning and I'm telling you the answer for your life is set before you right now, you cannot connect with God until you begin with a prayer of confession. The scripture says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all our wrong, from all our unrighteousness. So this morning, every eye closed, close your eyes, everybody, be respectful. If this morning you know you need to confess 
all the mistakes, all the wrong things you've done, you just wave your hand to God this morning, if that is you. Yep, cool, cool. There's two, there's a number of you. I can't do it for you. You can sit on the outside. It's your call, not, not mine. But friend, if you want to find your answer, it's through him and through the confession of you acknowledging and being honest about your flaws and your faults. And he can instantaneously forgive you. That's cool. Okay, the two people that put their hands up, I know who you are. So I know your hand, and God sees your hand. Father, I thank you for the two hands that were put up, and I pray for anybody on the stream this morning, Lord, who want to confess and come to know you and let you in their lives. So we as a church are just going to pray a prayer together. Uh, and the two people who put your hands up, you pray the prayer with us to him. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you were given me the opportunity to confess my sins, the mistakes that I have made of not having you in my life. And I ask that you would forgive me and wash me clean in Jesus' name. Refresh me. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.